Uh, welcome to another edition of Culture Class Podcast, the podcast where we get to interact with people from different backgrounds, uh, get to learn about other cultures and how they do things in other parts of the world. Uh, today, I have yet another guest with me. Welcome to the podcast, James Lee. Hi, nice to meet you, Nazar. Thank you. Yeah, James was actually uh, recommended to me by Mo, who I had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Mo from Jordan. And he said, oh, yeah, he has a friend from Korea who might be interested in doing the podcast. So I really appreciate you uh, taking time to do this with me today. Uh, from what I understand, you, you, you have a cafe in downtown Denver. Uh, what's, what's your cafe called and how's uh, the COVID situation uh, affecting business? Yeah, uh, my shop's called T-Cloud. It's on 17th and Champa in Denver. So right in the middle of a uh, business district. Mm. And uh, because of the COVID-19, was it, is it 19? Yeah, COVID-19. Yeah, yeah, because of COVID-19, like, it's, it's, been, it's been a huge struggle just because my shop mainly deals and makes money on, uh, on three things. One is the locals, obviously. Two is the hotels. And three is, um, is all the business people flying in. So basically just, uh, you know, Two streams of income. <laughs> Sorry about that. Got it. Got it. So what, what, do, you, what do you sell at your store? Uh, we sell bubble tea or boba. Bubble tea. Oh, is that different from regular tea? What's, what's bubble tea? Boba. Yeah, so uh, bubble tea, we do it pretty traditionally, or we try to with a little bit of a twist, uh, like most stores do. But we use 24-hour cold brew tea mm. with uh, puree and then whole milk coconut or almond milk so we try to keep everything as organic as possible oh that sounds delicious mm -hmm. now how you seem like you know you look pretty young and you seem pretty young like how did you end up like uh starting a store you know at at, at your age um uh what what was uh the path to having your own business uh, were you always like business oriented when you were much younger or you know you wanted to just you had influences from your parents or things like that what led you to uh starting a store yeah so um i didn't do well in school so i couldn't be a doctor <laughs> but um i was always trying to make money through you know side hustles and whatnot but uh the way i started my store was i got hit by a tow truck an f750 um, yeah, and I was in a Honda Civic 1997 and a head-on collision. So, um, it was, well, f I guess, you know, because of the circumstance, uh, fortunately for me, it was a company tow truck. So I was able to sue the company. Mm. Oh, so you got some, um, compensation. How, how long did that case drag on for? Um, it it dragged on for about, I hit by, I was 18, 20, almost, almost seven years. Wow. Like, yes, you know, almost six to seven years. And I, and during that time of fighting the case, I was also going through medical treatments, you know, like, uh, like surgeries, rehab, uh, a lot of, um, a lot of psychological therapy. So it was, it was tough. Um, so I'm so sorry to hear that, man. And, and, and I'm glad that, you know, at least, you know, you feel a lot better now, you know, going through 
medical procedures for a, a stretch, you know, five, six years, seven years, that, that must have taken its toll on, uh, I can imagine, not just you, like physically and mentally, but also people you love, like, like your family. Were you in the hospital um, all this time going through uh, rehabilitation? Uh, no, it was, um, it was due to some unlucky circumstances of, of how my, my family's business kind of, you know, went to a standstill and my, and my dad losing everything. But because of that, we weren't able to afford health insurance. So when I arrived at the hospital, you know, all bloodied up, uh, the doctor just kind of patched me up a little bit, kind of took a couple scans and then kicked me out. Damn. Yeah, same night. Same day, same night. Yeah, same night. Damn. It wasn't like you can stay, you can like chill on the bed for a little bit, drink some orange juice and, you know, get the fuck out. It was just kind of like... For someone who got hit by a tow truck, orange juice, what the, like... Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. So wait, did you end up like going back to your parents' house like that night? What was like, did you obviously Um, went back to the hospital at some point, right? Yeah, well, what happened was I got, you know, I hit by a tow truck. Ambulance was called in. Ambulance took me to the hospital. Didn't have medical insurance. They patched me up, kicked me out. And then my parents drove me back in their car, you know, back home. And it was, it was and the whole time I was in a lot of pain. So we, we ended up trying to search for a lawyer. And we finally found one. Bless his heart. His name is uh, Thomas J. Thomason. And he's the one that, that really kind of, you know, settled everything. But he, he kind of got me back on the right path of like, he, I think we went, I think we used uh, Medicaid, the Medicaid program or the MediPay or one of those two. It's like a debt program where, you know, they'll take on a certain amount of doctors and then at the end of your case, you have to pay back plus interest. Mm. Wow. So, so sorry you had to go through that, man. Uh, so sorry. And, uh, but you, Obviously, you know, maybe got some compensation and, you know, used part of that to, like, open the store. How long have you had the store now for? Yeah, um, I had the store for about almost two years. So the, the second year anniversary will be on my birthday, May 10th, and that's when I bought it. Oh, you opened, you bought the store on your birthday. Yeah. Is, is that a really popular thing to do in the Asian communities? Because I've been fortunate to work with some Asian businesses and you have like uh, people who have, uh, you know, uh, stores or whatever that store may be. And, you know, eventually running it for a few years and maybe selling it to someone who might be interested in running it and that person coming to take over. Is that a common assumption to say it's a, it's a popular thing in the Asian community? Um, I, I think it's, it is pretty common in the in the asian community where if you are successful in a certain field and you want to go to a different venture it'd be mm-hmm. better for you to hand off the baton to someone that you would you know that's in your family or your blood or a close relative or friends um but in my case i i didn't know like when i got hit and i got my compensation my seed money i used most of it to pay off family debt since you know, we were living off credit cards the whole time. Mm. And what little money I had left, I, you know, I was looking through, I was looking through different, you know, you know, different ways of buying a business. Went to California, Texas. Um, oh, you Mexico. consider other states. Yeah, well. just because like, you know, the color, after the marijuana boom, the rents in Colorado just kind of you know, skyrocketed. So, 
um, I just kind of chose California because, you know, California is pretty cool. But, um, yeah, we tried New Mexico because, you know, the, the rent there is pretty cheap. But eventually, I just kind of settled on a, uh, a tea house in the middle of Denver. Got it. Why, why tea, though? Why not, like, uh, marijuana, as you said, or, you know, some other business? Do you have a certain affinity for, for tea? Um, well, well, the marijuana business is really hard to get into these days. And also back in the day, just because like the government only issues a certain amount of uh, uh, med medical marijuana or you know uh, or any medical marijuana business license, so for you to actually hop on now, you have to actually buy it from somebody else or do a, a like a co like a cosign or a co join. But uh, for me, I after I got hit, like you know, I was a blank slate. I didn't really know what I wanted. I didn't know, you know, what kind of passion I really wanted to fulfill just because those those five to six years of my life of going through rehab and uh, and surgery, you know, that's all I kind of focused on was, you know, surviving the next day. Mm. So when I finally got everything, you know, settled, I didn't know how to proceed and where to proceed. So I ended up choosing this tea house just because, you know, I, you know, Stereotypically, you know, as Asians, I, I do like tea. You know, I really do enjoy my tea. And it's something that I felt like I could be passionate about. Got it. Got it. Uh, let, let's peel back the layers a little bit and talk, talk about your background. Uh, from what I understand, you're of Korean descent, right? Uh, but you were born uh, here in the U.S. Uh, your parents uh, emigrated from Korea, can you give me a sense of uh, the story uh, as much as you know you've been told or as much as you know about your parents? Like, when did they come to the U.S.? What did they do in Korea? How, uh, kind of like their journey as you know immigrants uh, into this country. Um, my family, especially my dad's side, I know he has an amazing, amazing history behind him. Mm. Um, what, what part of Korea is he from, uh, if I may ask? Uh, his, his family is from his family is from North Korea. Oh, and, really? Yeah, this was before the Korean War, though. Got it. This was like yeah. So like before the Korean War, my dad's part of the family. His great grandfather used to be a lord, and a lord. Yeah, a lord. Like you know, like I don't know what that is. Uh, like a higher like well, I don't like. The hierarchy, it's like a higher chain of hierarchy, it's like a higher chain of like social status. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, but um, it's kind of like being a governor. I don't know, it's like I don't know if I can really relate it to that, but you know, just higher social power, okay. But uh, my grandma used to always tell us that you know, he owns so much land that it would take you three days and four nights to get around on horseback. Wow, in yeah. North Korea, right? In North Korea. And during the Korean War, my grandfather ran away with my grandmother. Um, and the story was really tragic. It was very depressing because, like, the trains were so packed, like, you know, going down south that, you know, people were being pushed off the carts, babies were being thrown off, women, other men. Wow. Yeah. And my grandfather would hold my grand, was holding my grandmother, according to her words on top of the train and he was holding onto the windows, you know, on both sides to kind of keep himself stable. And my grandpa, my great grandpa was, oh no, my grandpa was a pretty tall guy. I think he was like around like six feet something. Wow. 
So why why did he end up moving to he moved from North Korea to South Korea, right? Yeah, to Seoul. To Seoul. Okay. Okay, so and your parents, you know, eventually, obviously, gave birth to your father, and your father uh, met uh, your mother. Uh, when did right. your parents decide to leave uh, Seoul? Was their first stop the U.S., or did they kind of like uh, touch base in a couple of countries before they ended up here? No, I think they immigrated straight to the U.S. Yeah, and what the, uh, uh, I think I, I know my dad. His first state was Chicago. Okay, and. Um, I was born in Denver, so obviously the the end point was Denver. Mm. Uh, what was kind of like their journey? Obviously, you know, uh, Asians are very ent- enterprising uh, uh, group of people. Um, it, when he came here, a lot of immigrants uh, when when they come here, you know, they start from the very bottom. Some people just get like a cleaning job somewhere, work their way up, maybe try to get a car, drive around, drive Uber. Obviously, there was Uber back then, but you know, get a couple of jobs at the end up, you know, maybe saving up to go to school, or opening up their own business, that kind of thing. Well, what was the story uh, for your parents? My parents, they were definitely hustlers. Like they started off as the, in the flea market. Oh, wow. And, yeah, they started off in the flea market. Then they, then they started their own, clothing, their own clothing store, their secondhand clothing store, and then moved up to a jewelry store after that, I believe. A jewelry store, like actually selling like... Yeah, yeah, selling like twenty-four karat jewelry and like princess uh, cut diamonds and stuff like that. Got it, got it, got it. So I, I, I guess it's safe to say you actually, you know, um, were influenced in that sense. You know, being a, an entrepreneur, parts of it obviously came from growing up, seeing your parents having all these different businesses, and even now I understand that your mom, you know, even works alongside with you in your store uh, currently. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, she she helps me out uh, inside the shop, and it's a blessing to have her around. That's for sure. Okay, okay. Uh, talk to me about yourself. You know, we've gotten a little bit of context about your parents and their journey uh, here to the U.S. Uh, what about you? Um, what were some of your earliest memories? You were born here in Denver. You you remain in Denver to this day. Uh, Denver is a very laid back state, I guess, compared to most other places. And being in this state 20 years ago, I'm sure it was a different Denver uh, from what it is now. What were some of the experiences? What were some of the earliest memories uh, you can recall growing up as a kid here? Um, probably the earliest memories that I've had was uh, we were we were raised in the outskirts of, of Colfax. So it was kind of like the, the ghetto area. And my first friends were African-American descent. And still to this day, like, when I when I look for friends, you know, it's my childhood has a huge impact on how I how I choose and perceive them, definitely. But you know, moving on to to something else, the earliest memory besides that is a lot of Disney. I I watched a lot of Disney as a kid. Oh wow! Well, what was your favorite one? Uh, my favorite one was probably Beauty and the Beast. Mm, that's a good one. Uh, Cinderella. Classic. And Pinocchio. Mm. I mean, growing up, Pinocchio was a big one, you know, growing up in Nigeria. Um, what's the name of, uh, what's the full name of the aerial car- cartoon? Um, uh, li- the Little Mermaid. <laughs> the Little Mermaid. Oh, the Little Mermaid. Yeah, growing up, most people back home just call it Under the Sea because of the song, Under the Sea. Under uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a really popular one. Uh, Mulan, too, was pretty big. 
uh, Mulan, I think Mulan, the, the movie was actually supposed to come out like a week ago. Well, obviously the theaters are closed because of uh, coronavirus, but I was I was looking forward to that. Would have been my first theater experience here in Denver, but unfortunately they had to shift it to September or something. But, but we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, talking about your interaction with African Americans, obviously growing up in Colfax, which you no know, parts of Colfax even till today. I mean, some parts of it is gentrified, I guess, but even till today, some parts of it uh, still have, uh, you know, that. Uh, uh, ghetto element, if I can say so. But but growing up, you know, getting to interact with African Americans. How old were you, and what were some of the things you ended up doing with these kids? Were, were you guys like sharing music, oh. like hip hop, or you know, where where your was your dressing being influenced? Uh, talk to me about some of your interactions with with uh, with that group of people. So the problem with digging into my childhood is that there's a lot of there's a huge pocket like after my car accident i kind of lost a lot of my memory mm. so it's just kind of like bits and pieces so from what like from what i can recall like it was it wasn't really like they, they weren't really like you know sharing music with me because like we were really young like i think we were like six seven eight around then but we used to always ride around with our with our bikes and 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 our um what's it called oh man the the What's the wheels on your feet that you used to skate around? Oh, the roller skates? Yeah, yeah, roller skates, yeah, roller blades. Yeah. yeah, we used to ride around those, play football, baseball. Uh, it, it was a lot of playing in the dirt, you know, because back in the 90s, we didn't really have too much technology to rely on. Yeah, those were a lot uh, simpler times, much easier times, right? Oh, if you could choose yeah, a, a time, like I always ask a couple of my friends this, like if you ch- could choose a time in history to to be let's say 25, what time will it be? Like any time in his history or from the, from the 1200s to 1800s to the 50s, 60s, whatever, what time will it be? Okay, like, like I, I, whenever I answer these kind of type of questions, I, everybody always goes, what the fuck? But like, <laughs> and you are 25, remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I would probably pick like, the early 80s or exactly being or, or, or the late 60s the late, late 60s, 60s really so, yeah it's like that's that's when like classic music really started to kind of pop up and shine mm. especially you know the 40s kind of really started it and then it started kind of really picking up mm. but the 60s and the 70s and the 80s is like the time frame where you can like sniff cocaine at a diner and then eat your meal and smoke a cigarette at the same place yeah and yeah. that kind of america you know I really wish I, I I lived through it because this this America is kind of is messed up. It's a little <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel you, man. Man, I don't know about the sixties, but um, for me personally, you know, it would be it would have been interesting to live through. You know, the late seventies, early eighties, like you said. You know, the right. kind of like the it's, it's not the rise of the hippie era, but kind of like you know, there are a lot of things going on. You know, uh, uh, obviously we didn't have uh where, where did hiv come into play i don't even know maybe like the late 80s or something but you know it was it was it was a time of you know a lot of adventure obviously there wasn't social media so there were a lot of like true experiences and connection with people and other cultures uh so that would have been uh, an, an interesting time to kind of live and grow up um, so obviously your parents are Korean, right? So most immigrant yeah. families, most uh, second generation immigrants in the U.S., they always have this 
duality in their life right so at home their parents are there you know speaking korean to them or you know another language having one set of a, a life at home and having a totally different life in school getting acclimatized to the american way of doing things was that true for you like growing up like in elementary school like high school that you know sometimes it was difficult that you have to be one person at home and you know a different person in school this is the reason why like people always say what the fuck whenever I, whenever I answer those uh, era questions, it's because I always pick like 60s, 70s, or 80s, but then those are also racist times of, of like America too, where yeah. like colored, pe- colored people like you and me like wouldn't be able to really kind of live our life fulfillingly. Yeah. But then at the same time, like I, we, I love, you know, 20, you know, you know, this current generation because of how relaxed we are towards, you know, of people, we're getting a lot more relaxed. I don't know about the cops, but like, you know, just people in general. Like yeah. civilians, yeah, but but um, it's oh crap! I forgot my question. What was that? Yeah, just uh, <laughs> living different lives at home <laughs> and in school. Uh, you know, having immigrant yeah, okay, parents there we go. Yes, at home yes, and so, you know having to get acclimatized to the American way in school, that kind of thing. Yeah. So because yeah, so yeah, so moving on from like you know the what the fuck questions of that, it, it intertwines because when I when I was raised. My, my family, my mom and dad were working at the flea market. So my grandpa was the one that raised me. And he didn't, you know, he didn't know a lick of English. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, that means your so, whole family moved here. Your grandpa, do you have siblings? Um, yeah, I got like, you know, I got like, I think like eight to like 12 cousins. Like, I, oh, I can't remember. Got it. But, you know, like, whatever. The Lee, <laughs> Lee Dynasty. <laughs> yeah, the Lee Dynasty would take over. No, I'm just kidding. We can't. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Korean was my first language. And because of that, you know, I had a pretty thick Asian accent. And, you know, unlike Western accents, you know, like like French or British or Australian, you know, it's not as attractive. You know what I mean? So because of that, I was bullied and, you know, extroverted and just kind of like uh just kind of like you know really kind of isolated from my from you know the people in my class the first couple of you know years but it, it's funny you it's funny you say that you know cause I, I used to say hey one thing the u.s is good at doing is marketing man that's why probably hollywood is a one of the biggest exports in the U.S. Like marketing right. and public relations is their specialty because what makes an accent attractive for Christ's sakes? Because if you grew up in one part of the world and you happen to hear an American or a British accent for the first time, like it is strange to you. No, but just over time, the way they've portrayed it in movies and, you know, you have the sexy honk American guy fighting off all the bad guys and you have the evil mastermind British guy and you have, a, you know, we've been, we've kind of been conditioned to think like these accents are better, but it's not what is, what actually makes an attractive accent? I, I don't know. Because if you would, if you would ask me just going off, just hearing, like I would say, oh, you know, um, like, you know, uh, the Spanish, like traditional people from Spain, like when they speak English, oh, that sounds really good. Or people from East Africa, that sounds really good. Like uh, America might not necessarily be my first pick, but, you know, maybe over time, you know, society has just learned that. That's uh, And I say this now, almost speaking with an American accent, obviously, because I've been living here for <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost three years. Even though I tried my best not to lose my accent, but, you know, just subconsciously, uh, even though you can still hear the Nigerian accent here and there, but overall, it's still almost like an American accent. But 
I digress. That's just something uh-huh. I try to to interject. Uh, just just by the way. So you grew up speaking Korean. How obviously it wasn't difficult for you learning Korean because you know you grew up speaking it as a child. But breaking down the Korean alphabet, uh, and this is a conversation I was having with Rob, who I had an interview with yesterday. Uh, we're actually uh-huh. breaking down Japanese. Can you like put us through a little some easy Korean? Like words, like if I, if I meet you for the first time, I want to say like James, you know, what's going on? How you doing? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, how do I how do I say that in Korean? Yeah, I mean, like you know, with you know, with Asian, with Asian, especially with Korean, actually, there, there's you know, there's formality, and uh, you know, it's when you when you talk to like different age groups, you know, the way you say things, you know, has to be different. Oh, uh, do yeah, you just you because respect. Of, mm-hmm. yeah, just because you know, Korea. Korea is a nation born of war, and you know that's the reason why they have a very strict social hierarchy. Mm. Um, even till today, even till today, yeah, even till. I'll give you a good example. I'll give you a good example. So me and my dad, we were going to California to look for to look for shops to buy, and we were we were in um, I think it was called like Ramada Hotel. Some, it was like some Indian based hotel, but. Um, we were on the lobby eating breakfast and we saw these two Korean gentlemen sitting, you know, a couple seats away from us. Mm-hmm. And they were obviously on a, on a business plan or, you know, like a business travel or whatever. And the guy who was giving the water and the meals to was obviously older, but he was talking to him in respect. Like you wouldn't do that unless your social high, unless your social status was greater. Like, Mm. But, you know, so his position at whatever company or whatever he's doing is a lot higher than the older guys, the older gentlemen, you know, serving him water. So that's the reason why, like, it's it's really weird, you know. So it's a very strict and stressful hierarchy. That's for sure. Wait, let me understand this. So the the businessman was sitting down and a waiter from the hotel was serving him water. No, 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 no. So it was two businessmen and they were obviously, you know, they were obviously close. Okay. And they were doing... and. One of the one of the one of the gentlemen got up and served the younger one water while talking in a very formal manner. Got it. And they were speaking which, in Korean. Which, yeah, in a very respectful manner, which you wouldn't do to someone younger than you. Mm. you know, unless, you know, they were of higher social like hierarchy. Hierarchy. What what determines like uh, a higher hierarchy? Is it like money or is just like gen or like a name, well, like a dynasty well, generational name or, or something? I don't know. I'm not like from, I'm not like, I haven't been in Korea for so long, but you know, mm. this is just kind of like Western take of it. Got it. But, you know, but it's, first it comes age, you know what I mean? So, you know, if I'm 21 and this guy's 18, then, you know, I would talk to him in a very loose manner while he would talk in a very formal manner to me. If we cared about the Korean culture, which a lot of second, third generations really don't. Got it. Got it. I mean, I can totally, you know, relate to this. You know, I used to work in the banking sector uh, back home in Nigeria. And obviously, you know, a lot of Nigerian banks were trying to emulate uh, the JP Morgans of this world and the city banks of this world. So, you know, they're just the way they do things. You, you could obviously tell that the CEO read one too many Jack Welch books, you know, and things like that. And there'll be this email to say, okay, you know what? No one should address anyone by title. So anyone from like the... Um, I don't know, the secretary or to the CEO, just address the person by their first name, which is something Silicon Valley does and, you know, works for the culture 
here, because you know, everyone is free, no matter who, even if it's an intern, can call the CEO, hey, Rob, or something that worked. But back home in Nigeria, it was difficult. As simple as that policy was, it was so difficult to implement because like, we come from a culture of respect. Like most cultures in Nigeria, whereas Yoruba house are evils, like you address your, your elders with reverence. You don't look your parents. Yeah. Like, your parents yeah. say it's final. So how would you just say me as an intern should address this banker who has been on the job for 10 years and in his mid-40s to call him James or something by his first name like it was difficult to implement that so a lot of people are just looking for ways to go around it and stuff but it was was pretty interesting times uh you mentioned that you you know visited korea um obviously this was a long time ago but was that the first place you went to and i'm sorry you know i keep going back to your childhood no, no, don't, no, don't worry, don't worry. rephrase the question you know what were some of the places you went to the first uh, locations you went to out of Denver. That can be locally within the U.S. or internationally, maybe back to uh, Seoul right. or something. I, I've only been to Korea outside the United States. You know, I uh, growing up, I didn't have that much money. But from what I can recall, especially about the, the Korea travels, was the mountains. Mm. Um, because like in Seoul, like it's it's a it's a peninsula, so you know the mountains are really really close to the cities as well. But Busan is known for their the rice the rice wines. But uh, I was visiting Seoul, and I was way too young to drink then. Mm. But the only thing I can recall, like it's like it's like fragments, but like the only thing I can recall really was playing badminton with my uncle. Badminton? Yeah, badminton. Because like you know, Korea is like especially like with like exercise like the elderlies and like the older people sometimes youngers they like to play badminton you know and exercise outside and stuff like that wait is this the same thing as badminton with like a racquetball or it's different uh it's the one where like you hit the feather like the feather ball like over the yeah back. yeah that's yeah. it that's it yeah yeah, yeah oh, but okay. you know, yeah so yeah my uncle liked to play that Oh, okay. Sounds sounds pretty cool. And uh, you, you said, you know, you mentioned uh, obviously, you know, K-pop has been opening my eyes to a lot of like Korean influence. But there's oh this, yeah, what K-pop have you been watching? Oh man, like Korean, like the art and entertainment coming out of Korea right now. Like not just K-pop, like the series. Like they have these TV shows that are just amazing. Oh, obviously, the you know, Par- Parasite winning like Best Picture and all that. But like yeah. they're. You know, I have to watch with subtitles, and this is something that, you know, almost like Nigerian girls who are listening to the podcast, they obviously know this. Nigerian girls just have an affinity for foreign TV series. So whether they come from like Mexico or India or Korea, there's always some foreign series sweeping through the country where it's kind of to girls how soccer is to guys. So once it's on, just like, especially back then where we did have like uh, uh, demand, the cable on demand or whatever, just... You know, they have to get their fix and, and watch your show. But it's pretty interesting. Uh-huh. There's there's a particular like alcoholic beverage that's very so popular. Yeah. So exactly that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's not really alcoholic, alcoholic. I think it comes like in a very small bottle and it's kind of like maybe like it's like it's or five percent. It no, it's it's uh soju chamisa is I think eighteen or seventeen percent. And then the strongest soju, I believe, is uh, Jinro, which is 24, 22. Oh, so that means the sojus are like in different, the alcoholic contents are different depending on... Well, uh, I mean, like, because like they come from different companies. Like, got it, got like, it, got it. Yeah, so like Chamisu, they're, they're known for um, 
they're known for filtering their their soju through charcoal bamboo. So really? yeah, so yeah, yeah, they're 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 really on top of it on that one. That's why it's one of my favorite brands. But uh, there's like there's there's chum 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 is really, I think, they're pretty good for their flavored sojus like their strawberries and their watermelons and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had I had some soju. It was interesting. And the way I got to discover about soju was on YouTube. Actually, I was watching. There was one of these K-pop artists that had the song Ichima or something. Like it was a very big song in uh-huh. Korea. And I, I when I was going down the K-pop wormhole, I found that song. And they had another song called Soja. I was like, oh, okay. This is something <laughs> I definitely have to try. But it's K-pop is, like, amazing. Like, I've, my dream is to, like, have, like, a K-pop artist, uh, an Afrobeat artist, which is, like, uh, uh, music out of, like, uh, West mm-hmm. and Central Africa to actually do collaborations. That would be, like, that fire. Be yeah. That what kind of sick. music do you listen to? Um... I listen to a lot of 80s bands, a lot of 80s. Well, still on this um, 80s fever, right? I know. I, know. I, also, I also like to venture into, the, into the, to the, the late 90s, like hip-hop, mm. you know, with, with Biggie and everybody. And nice. then um, the, farthest I've, the farthest I've gone, you know, in terms of like culture and music would be like 2008. And then besides that, like, I just kind of like really? don't really listen to like, like current content oh so you don't listen to soundcloud stuff <laughs> uh, i mean like stuff. mo i know mo has some sick like like sick uh remixes on his soundcloud yeah like, like yeah like like that guy knows how to choose music but like i don't know man like you know when i wake up and take a shower you know i just want to sing journey you know what i mean like that's you know <laughs> Got it. Got it. I mean, I'm not, I can fault that. You know, we all, we all like what we like and, and it is what it is, I guess. But what are some of the places uh, you'd like to visit? What are, you know, are there countries you've had at the back of your head that, you know, if you get some time when you're a little older, you know, you like to go to and experience yeah. other culture there? Yeah, there's actually, uh, I, already have, I already have like a top three. Okay. So, so one is um, I want to go to, uh, I want to go to the Congos in Africa. You want to go to where? The Congos. Oh, the DRC and the the Republic and the. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not too knowledgeable about it, so like you know, yeah. if you can you know fill in the details as I as I talk about, it, that'd be great. But okay. um, yeah, the reason why you know because like the, you know I'm not the type of person that you like you know like you know when I pick my favorite spots, I do a lot of research on them. My favorite spots, you know, it's it's something that stuck with me through childhood, like. There are some memories that even though after my car accident, I still remember and I kind of really kind of hold dear, like hold dear to those. Because like, you know, that's the only memories I have, you know what I mean? Right. And like, um, the one thing that I've always wanted to do was go to Africa because, you know, I just wanted to venture through the jungles. Even if I don't come back alive, like I would still like to take the opportunity to one, check out the culture and two, check out the... Like I know it's really dangerous, but I, I really want to check out like the, the native people inside the jungles and stuff like that. In Africa, I'm not, I don't know how many countries. I guess probably, obviously, you still have. I don't know if there's still like any tribe that still live exclusively really? the way they used to a hundred years ago. Like some tribes, like Mish and Mesh, so kind of like. Um, like Kenyan, some Kenya tribes, you know, they, they still like have their farms and their cattles and, but they still, they also have cell phones that, you know, 
things like that. So it's like a mission mesh. I'm not sure if there are, maybe there are parts of Africa, which is kind of like the Amazon, where you have people living uh, exclusively the way they used to do like uh, 50, 50 years ago or something. But, but that's just one country, like the Congos. Where, where else do you want to go to? Yeah, two. I want to go to China. Oh, okay. Yeah, just because... Um, not, not now, I, I hope. I, no, not now, not now. This is like, remember, this is, this is like, the top three is basically, I'm pulling out my, my childhood like fantasies here, you know, like okay. the stuff that I, I dreamt as a child. But like, um, I, I want, I've always wanted to go to China because just like Africa, they have like a great food market. Like, mm. Especially, I'm not, I'm not talking about like the bushmeat and stuff like that. I'm talking about like, how these people, like, you know, culturally, they really have their own, like, sets of food in different regions. Got it. And like, just, like, you know, because, like, I grew up in America, like, all I'm used to is, like, McDonald's, Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I, if I want to feel spicy, I'll take myself to Olive Garden. Like... <laughs> <laughs> but you grew up with Korean. You grew up with Korean parents. Obviously, maybe your mom prepared some traditional Korean dishes oh, while yeah, you were growing yeah, up, yeah. right? <laughs> you know she how did. to cook? <laughs> no, 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 no. She, she's a wonderful cook. It's just that um, when when I as a um, as an Asian descent, like living in America, you know, growing up, like the first thing and the always the first thing was you know try to be American. You know what I mean? It wasn't mm. like, you know, because like you wanted to, you wanted to like, you were born here, you were raised here, but at the same time, you kind of had to like make sure that, you know, you, you're wanted here. Like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's a really weird like circumstance. It's, it's just like that awkward, like always going to be awkward. Like just a little bit. Yeah. Tell me about it. Tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Immigrant here so I can relate to what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, what, it's what's, like, what's the third country? China, Congo, the Congos, I guess. Yeah, so like China, Africa, China, and then wait, is, um, Africa. Africa is a big, like it's a continent. Like it's yeah, yeah, it's, it's fifty-four African different continent. countries. Yeah, but like, but like you know, I'm talking about you know the Congos, but like you know, if I could take some time to travel throughout Africa, that'd be sick. You know, one day, that'd be really sick. Okay. All right, so so, so moving on. Uh, I don't know if this is right or not, but I saw this a long time ago, the bioluminescent lights on the sand of the beaches in Thailand. I don't know if it's Thailand, maybe mm. Singapore. It's one of those two, maybe none of the above. Really? But it, it's, a, it's some sort of beach on a certain season, the plankton or the back, like some like plankton, like if you step on them, they glow. Wow. Yeah, they glow blue. Like it's like the most romantic thing ever. And like, you know... Growing up watching Disney, like, shoot, man, I'll take one girl over there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Disney and the Notorious B.I.G., I can only imagine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow, it's that beaches that glow, that 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 would be pretty amazing. Uh, I remember a, a friend of mine who, who was from Hawaii that I had on the podcast, and she was talking about how they have this, these all-black beaches in Hawaii. Like, the what? sand there is all black. And you're not allowed, like, it's kind of like sacred land of you know some of the traditional descendants of that particular place and you're not allowed to like take any sand from there and i'm not even sure if you're allowed to go there at all but it's amazing oh. how you know sometimes we get carried away by man-made stuff you know we have our business and our jobs and we drive cars every day that we are totally oblivious to like nature 
And that's one thing that the COVID-19 is trying to correct. Like now we're having like clearer skies. It's like almost like some parts of the oceans are being replenished because the activity of humans is not as much as it used to be like a month or two ago. So it's like that's the earth fair. is kind of like experiencing a little bit of uh, healing itself. But talk yeah, to me about... Yeah, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no you, no, you can go ahead. Sorry about that. No, I just wanted to, you know, talk to talk to you about something I have no, uh, I'm in no way an expert of, and I obviously uh-huh. have very little experience. Uh, just because you mentioned it, like relationship, how is that? How is that uh, uh, aspect of your life, man? How's it been so far? Any luck? Uh, I mean, you know, like I got a couple poles in the water, but mm. I just got out of a relationship like almost almost a year ago. Was it your fault or your fault? Man, like at the end of the day, it's always your, it's always a guy's fault, man. Okay. Like, okay. I'm not mad at like, that. Like, like, because like, because like, you, you never want to end it at like, oh, it's her fault. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like no, like, you know, like, it just didn't work out. That's, that's all it is, you know? Like, if, if I have to put my neck, you know, underneath the axe and say it's my, you know, it's my fault, then I will. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. Do you want to put anything out there for the, the couple of ladies listening to this who might be interested? Like, hmm, let me look, it up, look him up on social media and see what, what is interesting. <laughs> and I'm kind of like interviewing you like a celebrity, right? Like, okay, James Lee, this guy, pretty interesting guy. <laughs> What's the kind of girl you see yourself being with? So someone can maybe shoot you a DM. Yeah. If there's any sugar mamas out there. <laughs> okay, okay. In Denver? <laughs> You're in the wrong no, state, just, man. No, just, <laughs> you should no, go down just, south. Texas, maybe. Go down south, bro. <laughs> no, Texas? No way, dude. Don't shoot me before I get to the front door. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it. No, but um, uh, just, you know, all, all seriousness, Um, I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know what I want right now. You know, I just, I just been, like, really focusing on my business, uh, talking to, you know, this one particular girl. And, you know, trying to see if it will work out. But now, because of the coronavirus, oh, my God, like, you know, there's no social interaction. So, like, it's, like, sometimes I feel crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I just kind of want to go outside and jog around. But then, same time, like, I don't want to die. I mean, I live alone. Like some people at least live live with a spouse or, you know, their parents or something. Like I live alone, so I'm pretty much talking into the computer or my phone all day. So Oh, did you stock up enough? I think so, although like I've been, I think I've been eating. No, the thing is, I thought I was ready, right? I thought I was ready for like a a month, a month and a half. But Uh because of, you know, the sheer boredom and whatever, like I've been eating a lot more than I should. I've probably been eating like twice a day plus snacking. Uh, uh-huh. So, and usually, like, I just, like, eat at home, like, once. Like, usually, I, like, eat at home, like, once, and I eat at work, and that's about it. But now, like, I, I eat, like, twice a day, and I, like, snack in between. So, I'm I'm depleting my stock. <laughs> 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 so, I, pro- I probably have to get more stock. But, but yeah, man, I, I wish you, I wish you the best in your relationship. And, you know, I always admit it, that's something I know nothing about. I, I've, been, I've been unlucky so far. But, but talk to me about, like, uh, as much as you know about, you know, uh, dating and, like, marriage, like, in the Korean culture, how popular is it for, for there to be, like, uh, intercultural marriages, like, you know, uh, someone from Korea marrying someone from maybe China or Thailand or even Europe or something? Is that something that is becoming more popular? Is it even accepted? Uh, how do families, like, react to this? And I'm saying this based off the many Korean TV series I've watched in the past. Oh, okay. So you say based on <laughs> Korean TV, you forgot. <laughs> so so I, I, um, 
I, I don't want to speak on behalf of the the Koreans living in Seoul or you know Busan or any of those you know just Korean general just because you know I don't know how how they date these days you know what I mean but you know mm. for Koreans here in the the states I do know that a call from my personal experience you know inter intermarriage especially with different races it's not really it used to be a big like a big deal but not really anymore because my cousin she got fiance to a really awesome guy and his name is uh dink or Layden, and he's i believe he's he's hispanic mm. i believe so i, I don't want to assume that's but... like the perfect subject for uh for a podcast <laughs> interview can you introduce me yeah yeah actually, I can't, <laughs> like because dink he he's actually um he's he's actually pretty famous here in denver oh wow What does he yeah, do? He's a, he's a graffiti artist. Got it. Yeah, nice. so I believe Jake Paul wore his merchandise on the red Jake on the Paul, the YouTuber? Yeah, the YouTuber. Yeah, like he, he did a collab with I believe his name is Darko something Oh, Darko. I know Darko. I think Dar- Darko is uh, yeah, Adobe I've, Darko. I've heard about Darko. Isn't he up there with uh what's this uh London artist uh this graffiti guy? Oh my ah uh. This guy that sold a painting for like he gave out free paintings that that cost like a million dollars or something, but he just gave them I, out on the street. I don't want to assume that we're talking about the same Darko. No, no, that's not Darko, but like he's in the same conversation with that guy. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, because you know, I, I don't, I've only met him once at a um, at a art convention that Dink was hosting. Mm. And he seemed like a really chill dude, but I don't know if we're talking about the same Darko. I just don't want to assume anything. But I yeah. will let I will let Layden know that you want this that you also want to interview him as well. So because he has a really rich culture, a lot more rich than than mine, just because of the, the car accident. I can't really remember too much of my past. Hey man, at least you're alive. You know you're living your life. You're thriving. Uh, we 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 just at least uh, uh, thank goodness that you're at least breathing air and have the opportunity to create more memories. You know, going into the future. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Talk to me about how you and Mo met, man. Because Mo is like this Middle Eastern guy from Jordan. Uh, you grew up in America, and uh, you you you, uh, you have parents who emigrated from Seoul in Korea. How did you guys uh, get to meet? What was that first interaction like? Yeah, that guy. He's he's probably one of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. That's for sure. Just because like he's so honest. Like you know what I mean. Like he, he's a very honest, genuine guy. Mm. And like if he's upset, he'll let you know he's upset. Like like you know if he's happy, he'll let you know if he's happy. But he'll never like. He kind of like wears his emotion on his sleeve, but he'll never hide anything from you that you don't, that he doesn't want you to know about. He'll like kind of let you know. So he and, he's not passive aggressive, which is like a popular thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like, which is something like, which is kind of like, because passive aggressiveness, especially in conversations or any kind of relationship, like it's very common amongst people. Mm. But with Mo, you know, he just kind of like really just gets in your face and tells you, you know, the reason why he's upset mm. and then tries to really fix it. You know what I mean? Like he, he's like, it's not like he's trying to prove a point. But it's like he's trying to like fix something that that's not working properly, and yeah, like he he has a very genuine mindset. But I, I met him through his wife, Marine, because she started working at my shop, and then she moved. She she left for a better opportunity at a at a firm, I believe, and 
uh, blessings to her because, you know, like, Mo and her, you know, they deserve the best. But when I first met Mo, you know, I, I didn't know, like, I, I didn't know what he wanted from me. Like, like you know what I mean? Because, like, when you grow up in the city, like, like when, when random people, like, it, like approach you, mm. there's a reason. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Got it. Like, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, like, what's your intention, man? Like, you know what I mean? But, uh, like, when I first met Mo, I didn't know what he really wanted, but, like, he just he just wanted to be friends, like, you know what I mean? And then when I finally realized that, he's he's probably the sweetest guy that I've met, yeah. Hands nice, down. nice. Has he uh, had the opportunity, have you robbed off on any Middle Eastern culture, you know, be it food or any kind of thing, uh, uh, being friends with him for, for this long? I, I know Mo doesn't really talk about himself much. Um, unless like you unless you ask like like you kind of have to like peel like forcefully peel the layers just to kind of have him really tell you how like who he is uh, with my personality i don't really dig too deep mm. uh just because like i believe like social privacy is is something people take for granted you know a lot of people especially when i'm hanging out with my mom's friends they're, they're very they, they they dig too much. They stick their nose in places where they shouldn't be. But you know what I, I mean? Think, I think all mom's friends do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like uh, growing up, you know, growing up with that, like I like I, I just unless someone tells me like a part of themselves, I don't ask. Got it. Got it. Okay, I mean, the, the, these days of social media, um, you, you, everyone is putting their business out there. So, uh, and I've been guilty uh, about this too, you know, being up in, all up in my feelings on Twitter when I shouldn't have, but that, that story for another day. But yeah, it's been, you know, pretty interesting, you know, getting to just chop it up with you a little bit, uh, obviously. Uh, what do you see yourself doing in the future? Do you have kind of like, uh, if you could speak to your 60-year-old self, well, what would you have wanted to uh, accomplish by then or attempt it at least? Um, I, I mean, like, my end goal was to own uh, two cafes, a bar, an alcoholic bar, and start, like, like that, that, that's, where I, that's where I just kind of, like, want to end for now, was by the time I get to 40 or, like, late 30s to, like, you know, early 40s, I want to have at least two cafes and a bar, and out, and then when I hit sixty, I probably want to like retire, you know, travel the world or something like that. But because of the COVID nineteen, I'm not it, sure it's gonna last till you're sixty, bro. It's <laughs> just a couple. No, 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 it's not. But it, it, but it put a huge dent in a lot of my plan, my plans because, mm. like with restaurants, we we live off of small margins. You know what I mean? Like the margins are very small. And yeah. You really have to squeeze every little penny out of that shop, you know, so you can make it, so you can like, you know, continue on. But um, I bought that place when it was a 2.1 rating on Yelp mm. and it had like a two point something rating on Google when I bought, when I first bought the place and in about a year, less than a year, I was able to raise it all the way to 4.0. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't contact Yelp or try to delete any bad reviews of the previous owners. I just kind of like, I wanted to see, like test, like test myself, like how mm. far I can really go and, you know, change the perception of the locals, of the community. Um, because you're, you're taking a store that was in the red for about four years straight wow. and then trying to make it, trying to make it uh, positive, like cash flow positive. 
and um, it's I, I was able to like increase the ratings, increase the the community's you know like view on T Cloud, you know, after almost a year. So that really helped me kind of like you know bring up my confidence and you know saying you know I really can do something if I put my mind to it. So wow, that's 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 amazing, man. And I love the name, by the way, like T Cloud. That it, it has a different yeah, twist to it. Like it's it, it's very unique. It it really makes the lips and their lips wet when you when you say T Cloud. That's the reason why I didn't want to change the name. Like it's just a good name. It is. It is. And you want to say the uh, address or where it is, and you know, spill out some of your offerings so people who are listening to this who are currently in Denver or happen to be visiting Denver can just stop by and see what you're. Yeah, like you know, my my shop's called T Cloud on Seventeenth and Champa uh, Business District. I'm open from eleven a.m. to seven p.m. Give me a shout out. Give me a call uh, on Instagram, and then yeah, we'll see if we can like you know collab if you're a business or you know come check out my stuff nice nice that that was one thing it took me some time a few weeks to get used to you know directions when when i say oh where's the library and they say it's on 16th and colfax i'm like what the hell like where i come from they just tell you it's number four colfax that's it what's 16th and colfax not everything has to intersect but right. so anyway. you live here in Denver, right uh yeah but i moved here i moved here from dc uh what six seven months ago but before dc I, I was back home in nigeria so i've just uh, been in the u.s for about less than three years or so dude isn't the roadway system for denver just freaking horrendous i look i don't know what it is but Yo, yeah <laughs> it, 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 honestly whenever i drive on that it just feels like a blind man like with his cane like drew out a grin <laughs> and i mean i've seen worse Just denver is not like the, but dc is very organized it's a carefully planned city uh so i, I can say compared to dc you know denver is nothing to write home about but it's not as bad as you know, other places places i've been but that's that's besides the point but yeah thank you for coming on man really i appreciate you yeah, james lee and uh do you want to i don't know if you do social media at all or whatever uh just like parting words you want to oh yeah drop your stuff um, for people to reach out to you yeah my instagram is uh t cloud denver uh t-e-a-c-l-o-u-d-d-e-n-v-e-r um spoken like a true entrepreneur he, his <laughs> social media handle is his business <laughs> <laughs> and also um I was I was I was listening to Mo's podcast, and you said you wanted a nurse for an interview for the COVID nineteen. Yes, please. Uh, if you can introduce me to, yeah, to a nurse, I actually, I'll be. I actually might be able to introduce you to a nurse for the COVID nineteen. She's a good friend of mine. Is she on the front lines? Does she even have time to do a podcast? Um, because like nurses, they work four four days a week, I believe, mm. with with long long shifts. Like I think it's like forty hours or twenty four hours. Something mm. like that. It's just, it's just ridiculous hours. Like nurses are amazing, but like um, I, I'll I'll reach out to her and see if she's interested as well as Dink. Yeah, I'll appreciate that. Thanks a lot, bro. Of course. No, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, uh, that's about our episode. And uh, you guys can follow Culture Class Podcast also. We're Culture Class Podcast everywhere. Uh, Twitter is Culture Class Pod. Uh, send us an email, cultureclasspodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you think. I'm recording most of this podcast because I'm working from home. So most of this podcast are like in the evenings, like from sex. So like if you're watching this on YouTube or anything, if I end up posting this on YouTube, forgive the whole, uh, where, whatever it is, darkness or whatever. I'll try to do some maybe over the weekends during the day when a lot brighter but thank you for listening and uh, have a great day